Hello, and welcome to episode three of Asians Talking Puck. I'm your host, Ahan Subberwal, joined by Josiah Chen. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different from our last two episodes. The main focus for today is going to be the controversies of the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing. The big topics of discussion for us will be Eileen Gu and the Chinese hockey team. However, we're also going to touch on some of the other moments during the games. And with that said, I'm going to send it over to Josiah to open us up with the news of the NHL this week. Okay, so we have two big stories coming uh, from the Boston Bruins this week. Uh, the first one is going to be Tuka Rask's retirement. So uh, Tuka Rask did announce this past week that he is going to be retiring from the NHL. Uh, he spent 15 seasons with the Bruins, um, and he was on the team during their 2011 Cup win, but he did back up Tim Thomas. Uh, but apart from that, he was also the Vesno winner in 2014, and he was part of the tandem that won the William M. Jennings Trophy in 2020. Uh, and over his career, he had a 0.921 save percentage and 2.28 goals against average in the regular season. So that is... Those are those are some pretty impressive stats considering that he was, you know, Boston's longtime starter uh, for a long, long time. Uh, and then on the topics of the Olympics this week, he also did win an Olympic bronze medal with Finland in 2014. Um, he has the most games played by a goaltender in Bruins history. And I think it's I think it's likely that uh, that that his number could could end up in the rafters. I agree. Yeah. Um, so yeah, congratulations to to Tukarask on a uh, great great career at the Boston Bruins. I mean, obviously, as a Hurricanes fan, you know, uh, heartbreak played a, played a played a number of, of playoff playoff games against the Bruins. But you know, Tukarask was always just he was always such a classy part of that team, and you know, his 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 Boston teammates just always had great things to say about him. So you know, I really think it's unfortunate that he got all the hate that he did one or two years ago when he left right before the playoffs. But you know, um, at the end of the day, he he had a really really great career with the Bruins. So. Moving on to the other Boston news, uh, on the flip side uh, of, you know, the uh, nobility that comes with Tukarask, uh, Brad Marchand is back to his old antics. So he was suspended six games for roughing and high-sticking Tristan Jari. So there's a clip, uh, I'm not sure if you guys have seen it, where he basically just goes up after the whistle and punches Tristan Jari in the head. Um, and his quote about that was, he said, was it stupid? Of course it was stupid. I'm not denying that. Uh, but he also said, I absolutely should not have done it. But was this, was it suspension worthy? I don't think so. So what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I... I'm I'm kind of torn here about whether or not it was really suspension worthy, but I mean, he definitely does have a history which isn't helping him. Yeah, history is definitely the biggest thing that the NHL is going to look out for with the Department of Player Safety. Um, being a fan of Nazem Kadri, I see it all the time. I'm just like, fingers crossed, don't hit anyone. Do not go into that corner. Do not sleep with that guy, please. So, yeah, they're definitely looking at history. And you can see his other comments saying that those plays... We're not going to injure Jari. No potential injury on that play. He was very well protected. The fact that it's six games is based on history, not the play. We believe the last suspension was very hefty when I got three games. I mean, it is definitely the history. If you watch that clip, it's not like he's 
whacking on him like 50 times, just trying to like maul him. It's kind of like a one, two punch, sort of like a shove. And it is more um, blatant and aggressive than other like hits in 30 plays, but it's not out of this world. So I'm, I'm, I think maybe it's a little bit excessive, but he has cleaned up his game and he, and he talks about that. And I would say that he is among the best players in the NHL. I don't think there's any doubt about that. So there's no doubt about this being a history thing. And I'm not at all surprised that the uh, NHLPA filed an, an appeal on behalf of Marchand. I would be pretty upset too, if I got six games or something like that. I mean, I don't think Tom Wilson got suspended when he almost like gave Artemi Panarin a concussion last year when he was swinging him up and down on the ice. So that's true. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Um, I don't think Wilson was suspended. Yeah, for, he wasn't. I just want to touch on uh, Tuca for a second. Um, more than just being a great starter, there he also has the most wins by a goaltender in franchise history, most shutouts in playoff series clinching games in franchise history. Longest season home opening streak in Boston Bruins history. He's also got the most playoff wins by a goaltender in franchise history. And he had like a 0.940 save percentage in that cup run in 2013. And over the playoffs, he had a 2.22 goals against average and a 9.25 save percentage. So I know we're going back a little bit here, but that's incredible numbers. Yeah. Um, I grew up watching him. And I have grown up watching him. So it's the end of an era. I'm pretty sad about that. Yeah, but. and definitely, um, you know, looking at Boston, you know, as a Carolina fan, I did watch the game last night. You know, things are, they're starting to, to Boston's starting to have some questions now. I mean, obviously, you know, Bergeron and uh, Marchand being out is, is kind of a temporary thing. And they're old, though. They're yeah, 31. Yeah. There's, they're at least 31. I think all of them are pushing into their mid third, early 30s. Yeah. and I think I saw an interesting statistic last night with Rask retiring and then Marchand and Bergeron being out. No one on that Bruins team was uh, on the team when they won the Cup in 2011. So that you know the um, you know the the old roster that I think we always picture the Bruins having is is kind of coming to an end, and you wonder how how much you know, how much more they've gotten them before, you know, you're going to have to start looking at retooling and things like that. They didn't need to retool if they hadn't made the right decision in 2015. <laughs> but I won't true. cause any <laughs> Bruins fans any more pain about that. You guys yeah. are salty enough. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting because all the Bruins fans love Marchand and they don't care that he got suspended or they don't care that much. Like, I'm not seeing insane hate online. People are like, it's whatever, it's Marchand. But then... With Tuca, he got so much hate for wanting to spend time with his daughter who was sick last year. Like, he's yeah. got to be the most hated player by his own franchise, yet is loved by every other team. Like, all of us yeah. appreciate him more than his, his own fan base did. So, it's yeah, kind of interesting was... to look at that, because I've always seen Tuca as more consistent than Brad, just considering that he's been there for so long, he's been the starter for so long, and no one's even challenged that starting role. He's had yeah. such good numbers every year. And I mean, he had that dip in the playoffs where he had like a 903 one year, but it's not that big of a deal considering how many times he's led that team through the thick and thin of it. He's he's crazy good. And to see him get that hate and see Brad Marchand get off um, with almost no hate from his own fan base, 
weird things going on in the B town. Weird things. Yeah. yeah, that was that was definitely one of the toughest things to witness. Even as someone like who because that was the um was it was that the bubble season that that happened? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So as a Hurricanes fan, I mean, there was a part of me that was like, oh, yes, we don't have to go up against Rask again. But like, you know, that was a really, really tough thing to watch just to see all that hate that he got from the Boston fans. That was that was tough. And like I said, if anything, I should be I should have been cheering for Rask to, to have been out. But, you know, it was it was really tough seeing that and almost, you know, just disheartening uh just just to kind of the the status of the, of the hockey community around him but um yeah i i i think you know his his numbers speak for for itself and uh you know he he really had a great career with them yeah and i you could say the same thing about brad too i mean yeah look at his numbers he's he's gotten so good um yeah. and he actually i think he was fairly significant the season they won the cup i don't know he yeah, just gives me laughs. The way he interacts with his fans on Twitter, that's got to be part of the reason why they love him in Boston. You just see him like tweeting fans like, "You suck. You're on the, you're on your couch complaining. You're like fat or, and old, and I'm out here in the NHL." He's he's such a funny guy. Or even even earlier, I don't know if you saw this clip earlier this season where he was running through the tunnel and took the fans' phone. That was hilarious. I love that. <laughs> yeah. But also, like how good of a person is he off the ice with the charity work he does yeah exactly that's it's it's so just interesting to see he's just so much of a clown and goon yeah. on the ice but you know off the ice he's just you know boston fans love him and yeah you know it's, frankly why yeah frankly i i'm not a huge fan of you know things like licking people or punching goalies in the head but i mean i think the guy's hilarious and you know I, that might be an unpopular opinion with some yeah, but, yeah i mean he's he's just got so much passion and i've said this before not on the podcast obviously but i would so much rather have a guy who is full of passion and vibrant energy who's lively and gets the guys going than someone that you have to beg to show some emotion in a game yeah. Right. And I, I know there's some great players out there who show zero emotion who are like stone cold killers. But those same guys, you look at them and you can see that they're stone cold. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to see a guy who's just kind of like nonchalant, like looks like he doesn't care, looks like there's no emotion, and see success from them. Like that's not that common. I know there's some standouts. I can't think of I think there's like one on my mind right now that I lost, but like um it's it's weird. Um, um like a like a like a John Klingberg is kind of like that. He's yeah, he's like that. Kinda, he's always kind of always very chilling. stone face and steady. Yeah, um but it's not but like you can see him, the motion out of him sometimes. I'm yeah. talking about those guys who just look like they just don't care that they're in game 7 of a series and yeah. those guys are out there um and there's some good ones too. Um but yeah, I'd rather have an emotional guy who maybe might get a suspension maybe might get two, three suspensions, might be out of the roster for three, four games. But then you know that that guy is going to be clutch that when you're down one goal with 10 seconds left in a series um, determining game, he's there. He's going to put the puck in the back of the net. So Mm -hmm. should we move on to our uh, next topic? Um, Montreal Canadiens change their coaches. Martin St. Louis, Martin St. Louis. There we go. Is replacing Don Ducharme as 
coach. Um, the Canadians, as they sit last in the league, I apologize to any Canadians fans for just butchering those names right there. I don't know why I did that. Um, <laughs> that's kind of my bad. So I'm sorry to you guys. Um, St. Louis is in the Hall of Fame for success as a player. Um, he has several individual trophies and team awards, including a Stanley Cup. That's not a big deal. Um, he's also been called the Quadzilla. I mean, have you seen the photo um, of just like, I, like did, I did and see that. Yeah, and like I did see that. Like, <laughs> what's, what's it like to turn around and see this yeah. just giant <laughs> behind you? And he, he's not even that tall, is he? He's five foot eight. Yeah, he's, he's short. Yeah. He's a monster. <laughs> he's funny too. Yeah, I'm. I I think that that's a good uh, that's a good move for the Canadians. I mean, obviously, you know, coaches when a team is doing bad, coaches tend to be one of the first people to go. You know, for better or for worse. You know, that's just kind of the way it is. You know, around the league. Do you think it's um, his fault though? Do you think like the Canadians slide this year is because of him? Ooh, that's tough. I'm gonna go with no on that one actually, and you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that answer. Because, I mean, if you look at the roster from the cup run last year, they had several pieces that just aren't there anymore. You know, you got Price out. You've got uh, Philip Deneau out. You know, KK is out. So, you know. Am I on something? Shea Weber's out too, isn't he? Yeah, Shea Weber's out as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I obviously, you know, when a team goes from cup finalists to dead last in the league, it's, it's going to be a lot of things that go wrong. But... I mean, even if you look at last season, they weren't like utterly impressive during the regular season. You no, know, not no at one all. expected them to make make it all the way to the final. Dude, I thought Toronto was going to win a round in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they they really amped it up in the playoffs, but that seemed to be a little fluky. And you know, they're kind of just proving that that this year. And that's you know, on if the you look- backs of streaky guys. Sorry, I interrupted yeah. you. I was just going to no, say, like, good. those are like yeah, streaky no, guys I, who led them. They're talented players. Don't get me wrong. Dino, Kakanyemi, Caulfield, really great players. Suzuki, another one, Petrie. But some of those younger guys are just streaky. They're just starting off their careers. So they're having these flashes of brilliance. And when those flashes align with Carey Price being in the playoffs and having a fairly big um, squad, like they weren't small. They were pretty big and strong um, and just hard to get around. That leads to playoff success. And that's why they beat um, teams they did, but also – they had to play two Canadian teams um, and the Canadian teams just have not been nearly as competitive as they should be. So, yeah, I, I think another thing too is obviously, um, you know, obviously that they lost a bunch of key players, but I think the front office, you know, didn't do it. They didn't really seem to do a great job of, of trying to restore what they're losing now obviously you know you can't replace someone like a playoff carry price you know you can't replace like a Shea Weber but I just I didn't really feel like there was a whole lot done by the Canadians in the offseason to try and and make up what they lost like for real I also so. just don't think that they have good enough wings I think that they have a few pieces that are nice but they don't have that you know speedy fast young guy on the wing who can score goals or that big, strong power forward. Like if you look at the top teams and you look at the best wingers out there, you're looking at guys like Kucherov, Ovechkin, Gensel, Rantanen, Marner. Um, there's plenty more than I'm already omitting. Kyle Kahn is one of them. I don't want to leave him out. I don't want to leave Blake Wheeler out. Um, I think Kaprizov plays wing and center. So they don't have one of those guys. They just have a bunch of 
good guys. Solid. Yeah. And um, and the other thing too is is I know you touched on this earlier, but they're young, you know. Ideally, really you want to have those skill wingers. You have several NHL seasons yes, for sure. to kind of to kind of lead some of your younger guys as well. And obviously, they do have some age on their roster, but you know, yeah, they don't they don't really have many of those dynamic forwards that have experience. Yeah, but even but. with the age, like you're looking at guys who have won several cups. I don't know if there's that many guys on their team who have won Stanley Cups. I know Eric Stahl was one of them, but there aren't too many. A lot of the guys who are there who are older have been there for a long time in their career. Yeah. I think it's a big difference. Like if you go and have success in say New York, Boston, Florida now, whatever, um, Florida State, of course. Um, and then you go into the Canadians locker room having played for those other organizations, you bring something to the table as opposed to being drafted by the Canadians. Just considering the fact that those are teams that have regularly been competitive, all the Canadians have it. So you know what sustained success looks like. With the Canadians, they don't have that. Yeah. Yeah, so I think we should move on to our uh, next two topics. We'll just glance over these. Edmonton Oilers also changed their coach. Jay Woodcroft will be replacing Dave Tippett. Woodcroft is an alumni of the University of Alabama Huntsville, where he played his NCAA career. Um, not much to talk about there. The Edmonton Oilers are struggling. Um, coaching changes have been in the rumor mill for a while now. That and Miko Koskinen getting traded. One of them was going to happen. The coaching change happened first. I have no opinions. Um, hopefully it works yeah. out for them. Yeah, I, I largely agree with that. I mean, I Jay Woodcroft is not a name that I've heard a lot of. I didn't actually, so, I don't know. I didn't um, know who he was. I had to yeah, search him up I, on that Wikipedia. That came completely <laughs> out of left field. So, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I'm just going to kind of watch and see how it goes. I really have no opinions on it because I have no idea who the dude is. But, um, yeah. And the next one, uh, this is continuing off last episode. Arizona State University and the Coyotes did agree. They came to an agreement uh, for the next three years, the Coyotes will play at ASU's new multi-purpose arena. So they have a tiny arena. We'll see how that goes for them. If they can make some money, if they can establish themselves, I hope they do. I want to see hockey successful everywhere. Yeah. And, I um, want to, I want to actually just for a short bit build on uh, a top. I think we covered, we definitely spoke about this last or last episode, but I'm not sure how much we talked about it, but yeah, I think the opportunity here for Arizona is going to be to try and get, even though you're a small building, you know, to get that just rowdy group of diehard fans. I think, you know, I think if you can do that, that that'll go a long way for your team when you eventually get back to having a big arena again. So I think that's, that's gotta be the goal for them now. For sure. Build the fan base and be like the Danbury trashers have the craziest (laughs) team out there. Yeah. Get, get some fans going. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. Now we're going to get to the more serious and interesting stuff. Um, at least in my opinion Mm -hmm. for today. So as many of you know, who have been watching the winter Olympics, uh, there are a number of star athletes performing there. And one of the most notable ones is Eileen Gu. She is, I believe she's 18 now. She's an 18-year-old Asian-American athlete born in San Francisco. She won gold in Big Air, in Big Air and she won X Games for Superpipe uh, last year, I think. And since 2019, she's been representing China rather than the U.S. Her mother's Chinese and her father is white American. So... That's caused a lot of controversy. I've seen it online everywhere. News outlets going after her, calling her unpatriotic, um, un-American, ridiculous. I'm pretty offended by it um, as a nation American. Um, I think that 
there's a lot of problems here. And we're going to be talking about this because one of our big missions on this podcast is to raise awareness about the Asian voice and the Asian experience. We're not trying to propagate political ideologies. We're not going to talk about the importance of oppression Olympics. We're not here to talk about the importance of um, race politics because we're not really into that stuff. We just want to create some more love in people so that we can all understand each other a bit more. So that's why we're going to be covering this, even though Eileen Gu is not a hockey player. She is a snowboarder. I'm sorry, not a snowboarder. She's a skier, excuse me. Um, and so that's why we're going to be talking about this. Uh, she's she's a, she's a superstar in the sport. She's called the Snow Princess in China. She's advertised everywhere. She's a model. She'll be at Stanford for college. She plays the piano. Um, my friends were joking that she's proof that God has favorites. Um, so, <laughs> so, and she's not the only one out there. There are so many talented athletes and there's been a lot of Asian American success and Asian success at these games. Um, Chloe Kim won the half pipe just yesterday, a Japanese snowboarder set down some crazy runs, pulling off the triple cork, which is a crazy move. And he won gold in the half pipe. Um, and that was pretty incredible. He also, I think, broke the world record for highest jump in the half pipe. It was like in the 23 or something feet from the um, end of the wall. So we're going to get into this now. Um, what are your thoughts about um, the controversy surrounding Eileen Gu? Yeah, I've, uh, yeah I've, I was actually just having a discussion about this uh, earlier today. Uh, yeah, it's there seems to be a lot of hate for her at least that's what i'm hearing a lot of is just like you know people saying oh she you know she betrayed her country whatever blah blah blah. you know and it's yeah i i mean i really don't have you know i i don't really understand where all that kind of hate derives from you know i think you know uh, and i was watching some of the interviews with her today and i mean she fluently speaks english and chinese very very well it's it's like very very impressive as to like she can speak Chinese fluently with a native tongue and everything, and then she can speak English just fine. So you know it's you know I th I think that if obviously um, if she feels more connected to her culturally Asian side, I don't I don't see a problem with yeah. with why she shouldn't be allowed to to represent China at the Olympics. Yeah. and there's a there's a lot to unpack here. Firstly, she spent a fourth of her life in China, so yeah. it's not as though. Um, she's out of the blue deciding to represent China. And going beyond that, she's expressed a lot of gratitude towards America and towards China. She said um, that um, uh, when I'm in, um, I definitely feel as though I'm American as I'm Chinese. I'm American when I'm in the US. I'm Chinese when I'm in China. I've been outspoken about my gratitude to both the US and China for making me the person I am. So you can tell that she's not any less American than you or I. Yeah. Um, and she she's from San Francisco. She's she's been brought up here for a lot of her life. She's trained here for so much of her life. She has a lot of friends here. I mean, a lot of people are supporting her. I mean, I've noticed that just with the people pushing against her, there's also some pushback saying, hey, you know, this girl has the right to do what she wants. And as an Asian American, I mean, I support that decision. To be able to some support your homeland is is one thing and but then to go play for them to go and be part of that culture to go back to your roots there's something really special and indescribable about that if i were ever given the opportunity to represent india 
I, I would do without hesitation. I mean, it's, it's something very special, even if you don't speak the language or you're not as culturally assimilated as um, their native people are. It's something powerful about that. And beyond that, she's not the only athlete who's representing a country that's not her own. Um, there's a number of athletes who are supporting other um, nations. And I'll give you guys a list of that right now. Um, I think I have a few. Uh, um, so firstly, you have the entire Chinese hockey team. Um, yeah, of the 22 one. players there, 17 were either born or raised in the United States or Canada. Um, mm-hmm. Four players there have no Chinese ancestry at all. Jeremy Smith, the goaltender, and then three defenders, Ryan Sproul, Dennis Ospov, and Jake Chelios. Chelios is the son of Hockey Hall of Famer. Chris Chelios. So, you know, there's there's no pushback about them, right? I haven't heard anyone yeah. saying that they're not um, American or Canadian for their decision. A lot of people go and support other countries because they just can't make their home teams. I know there's an um, there's a young American man who's representing Italy um, in skiing, I believe, or maybe it's snowboarding, simply because the American team is too difficult to get on. Yeah. And Eileen Yu is not like she's being a sellout by going there. Um, you can see a lot of her quotes where she says, I've always said my goal is to globally spread the sport I love to kids, especially girls, and to shift sport culture toward one motivated by passion. Um, now, after hearing that over 300 million Chinese people have started winter sports for fun, I'm blown away by how far we have come. I'm proud to have done my best to spread a positive and personal message and to have reached audiences willing to listen to me. I mean, she's trying to grow the sport and build enjoyment. And I absolutely support that. That's, mm-hmm. that's the most noble thing and commendable yeah. thing an athlete can do to use their platform for the growth of the game. I mean, she, she, I know people are saying that she's the latest in a line of athletes that China's using to propagate sports as a means of solidifying the world dominance, but she's not subscribing to this notion that she's only there to show that China is the dominant powerhouse that it is. She's there to grow the sport, right? She's a model. Yeah. She's inspiring young women. I mean, you can look at the foreign policy side of things there and you can dive into how there's so much controversy surrounding China in these Olympics, but this is one athlete that I'd say she's doing what she loves to do. She's doing it for the betterment of the sport. She's not like she's abandoned our country saying, ah, you know, I hate America. She's still going to go to school here, live here for a significant time of the year, still loves this country as much as any one of us. She's only choosing to represent it a different country because she believes that it's better for her and better for the sport. And I mean, who am I to tell her that you don't have the right to do that? I mean, we talk about this country being free and the rights that we all inherently have. This is one of them. The controversy about the passports, we'll get into that later in the citizenship. Um, what are some of your thoughts about um, players representing other countries than the one that they're born in? Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you on all that. I mean, I think the one thing is like, the only thing I don't really know how I feel about, and honestly, it's just tough because I feel like there's really no easy solution for this, is the whole Chinese um, hockey team dilemma. You know, I think it's it's tough because obviously I want 
you know, as a Chinese American, I want to see the Chinese hockey team being represented by people um, who, who, you know, who are, who are born and raised in China. I think that, you know, I, I, I do think that, um, that, that, that is, that would, that's how I would want to personally see the team. Now, like, I don't, I'm not saying I have a problem with any of the Americans playing there, but they are on that team, I would say, for a little bit of a different, a little, for a little bit of a different reason, I'd say, you know, you know, Eileen Gu is, is representing, you know, China at the Olympics because I think that's more, you know, that's where she feels like her heritage is at and, you know, that just more represents her. Whereas I get the sense that, you know, obviously some of those, you know, a lot of the players on that Chinese hockey team do have some, you know, some Chinese ethnicity somewhere, but, you know, for, especially for some of the ones you said who have no Chinese ethnicity, I think some of it's just kind of also to make, china at least their team more competitive and it's just it's tough because obviously you know you know and i'm not i'm just saying this as the way it is china is not they're not a hockey hotspot you know obviously i i hope it becomes one one day you know i I think growing the game in any fashion especially in places like asia where it's less common right now is is just such a great thing but at the moment they're not there yet and they you know just haven't produced enough hockey talent to really be a competitive team at the olympics and but they will soon yeah obviously they built so many rinks in um the lead up to this um olympic winter games the the only thing i'm concerned about though about this and if you you know if you if you scroll back a couple years to like the rio olympics is obviously yes i think it's great that they've built you know new facilities and whatnot but you know if you look at some of the countries in the past it's a little disheartening to see what happens after the olympics are over now i don't think i really don't think this is going to be the same thing just because china is just such a you know it's a huge country and it's very you know it's more likely to use such facilities versus i think rio was a little bit you know unprepared for to have all all that um infrastructure there after the olympics but yeah I, I i agree with you i think that that's really nice to see just all these new facilities coming up and you know at the same time you know i think the fact that china has a team this year even even if it's not fully asian represented um i i think i think that also just just does well for for growing the game you know yeah because then the you know you know, kids growing up in China can see that like, Hey, they have a team to root for this year. And it's, you know, I think that's, that's a great, great way to to grow the game and especially just on as huge of a stage as it is. Yeah. I think there's a bit of jealousy that's going into a lot of the pushback. Like you look at um, Beverly Zhu and Ashley Lin, who are also competing for China, they're figure skaters. Um, It, I, I think that they haven't had much in the media about them because they haven't won gold. Right. Um, If, China's hockey team were to win gold, I think Canada and the U.S. would freak out that some of these yeah. players weren't playing there. Obviously, that's not yeah. going to happen. Um, and I've noticed that you know there's not a lot of pushback on the Japanese players who are going there to play for their teams. I think that a big part of this is the, the belief that she won gold and it wasn't for us. It's that yeah, success. I think- I think that's, or sorry to cut you off, but I no, think, yeah, good. that's where, that's where a lot, a lot of it stems from is because then 
I think a lot of Americans who feel very strongly about that feel like, oh, well, she kind of stole a medal from us, basically. But the idea of stealing a medal gets, yeah, it gets me a little bit annoyed because yeah, it's that medal is given to the athlete who did the most work to get it, who yeah. trained I, the hardest and performed the best and executed. So it's it's as much of an individual award as as it is a, a national award. So yeah. I can understand that perspective a bit, but at the same time, I say it's that athlete who won it. They have the total claim over that medal, just as this country does. So if they won it for a different nation, then it's okay. And I mean, she trains with the Chinese team. It's not like she's training in um, Salt Lake City with only U.S. Um, players. She's training all around the globe. So yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree with you. Sorry, I didn't. I, I'm not saying that I agree with like, you know, this sentiment that oh she stole a medal from the u.s yeah totally but um yeah no i and and this is another thing that was that i was talking about earlier today is yeah as much as the olympics are you know it's great to see country versus country yeah you're right at the end of the day it's an individual award you know and so so you know what country she's representing is obviously important but i mean if you think about it it's at the end of the day it's it's her award and it's you know she earned it just as much as anybody else yeah. so you know i'd I, I love think... to yeah go ahead sorry no yeah no you can you can go ahead uh, yeah so. i was just gonna say that one of the reasons why i love the olympics so much is you get to see so many athletes you know put their hearts out you know of course i'd love to see the u.s canada and india and other countries that i support do well but at the end but it, it's truly mesmerizing to watch some of these athletes perform oh, at the yeah. greatest level um Whenever you, whenever you're watching and you're like, oh yeah, I know that team's that team's got a great player. I'm excited to watch them. Like with the Jamaican bobsled team returning, I'm mm-hmm. so rooting for them. I want them to win gold, yeah. even if they have no shot at it. Which I, I don't know. I'm not a big bobsled guy. I mean, I want to see them. So it's those storylines. It's unbelievable. People love to watch Usain Bolt, even if they're not from um, his nation. Even if they're yeah, not exactly. from um, the nations that a lot of these athletes are from. So. Mm-hmm. That's a big part of it. Now, I did want to talk about success for Asian Americans in this country. Um, sometimes I feel like the model minority stereotype um, sort of hurts our successes. Sometimes yeah. I feel like uh, the country, and when I say the country, I mean um, leaders and um, lobbyists and people who have agendas love to see the success of Asian Americans and minorities in our country but they don't want us to talk about how we got there to talk about our successes. Or if we do have success, they say it's because you're Asian, because you have that culture because of this or that they make excuses to undermine the work that so many people put in. And there are so many, you know, Asians who are not good at math, who don't fit the stereotypes, who aren't, you know, superstars. There's people like that from every walk of life. So I know it's interesting to see, um, how this sort of plays into that dynamic where Asian American success isn't necessarily valued the same way that other people's successes are. And I'm not saying that, you know, every Instagram post about there should celebrate Asian success and should celebrate only us or that we're somehow, you know, um, underprivileged or something like that. Um, it's just something that I noticed. Um, you know, I think that everyone's success should be equally shared regardless of who you are, where you're from, what you do, 
Um, and you take the good with the bad. If someone's a bad person and they have success, you say, look, they're successful, but they're not a great person. Someone's a great person. They're having no success. Um, that's something to talk about too. I mean, that's just sort of my philosophy with all the political stuff going on. You take the good with the bad and you represent, you represent both sides of the issue and you help build the best picture and educate people as best as you can. I don't know. What do you feel about that? Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. I think, you know, a lot of those stereotypes and, and whatnot, just especially from my own experience with it, it's it's tough, you know, and I'm not even saying that a lot of it necessarily just comes from outside, you know, comes from non-Asian people or whatever. You know, I, I think a lot of those stereotypes, frankly, stem from within, like, you know, within our own culture. You know, I think, you know, a lot of the times that I've been, you know, asked about like what kind of grades I get or, you know, you know, how I'm doing in math, whatnot, a lot of that, you know, comes from within my own culture. And, you know, it's, it's definitely tough. And it's, you know, obviously, it's going to be kind of a battle to just continue to try and break those stereotypes. But that's another thing that I just really, really love about seeing players, you know, Asian, Asian players at the Olympics and things like that is just because it, it really just it breaks that stereotype so much. I mean, because, you know, you know, Asian people are always kind of seeing as, you know, seen as being, you know, pretty smart and studious, but never really as athletic. And I don't, you know, I don't really think that that's. There's actually there's, billions of us. I'm, yeah. I'm sure that a few of us are athletic guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's not like, I mean, you know, sure. You might look at things and say, well, you know, Asian people, you know, genetically might be built a little bit different, but at the end of the day, I mean, you know, there's no reason an Asian person shouldn't be able to, to be any more or less athletic than, than anyone else from any other race. So that's what just, I love seeing, you know, I love seeing Asian people, you know, represented in sports. Cause it's just, you know, it's kind of just, it's so contrary to that, you know, societal stereotype of Asian Max. people. And it's just, you know, it's, it's really, really great to see. Yeah. And I think a lot of the reason why some of those stereotypes about Asians being unathletic, um, is because of, um, the nations that are out there in Asia. Um, mm -hmm. a lot of those nations are not developed. Like sports is one of the things that doesn't get developed first in a society. Yeah. It's usually not like the main goal. Like it's great to see when, a smaller Asian country or an under, underdeveloped Asian country puts out an Olympic athlete. But oftentimes the first things they look for are jobs, tech, high paying jobs, um, military strength, and all those other societal factors. I think one of the last few things they look for is um, athletes. That's why you see with India, a nation that's definitely still working on developing its infrastructure, why it's great that they're producing Olympic athletes. Um, there was a javelin um, thrower who won gold last year, but it's, it's going to take a while because these countries have to develop. Like Japan was not going to be some amazing Olympic, um, snowboarding nation, um, you know, 30 years ago. And now they're one of the best. They rival the U S and in some ways the torch has been passed off with Sean White retiring, by the way, amazing career for him too. Yeah. Uh, we can touch on that at the end. Um, so that, that, that's sort of my thoughts on, on, on that situation. And I was just wondering, what do you think about the reception, um, uh, Eileen Gu's had in China by the Chinese people and media? Yeah. I mean, personally, I haven't heard a whole lot, but I mean, I do know that she is pretty well liked there. And, you know, I think, 
you know, I, I think at the end of the day, that's, that's a great thing, you know, yeah, especially like you were saying earlier for, you know, young Chinese girls to kind of look up to her as a role model. I think that that's just, that goes so far in growing the game, you know, because if you think about like us as hockey players, you know, we, we all had some kind of role model, some player that we just loved. And if you think about how much, like, you know, especially when you're younger, even, even now, like uh, wanting to be and play like a certain player, you know, how far that gets you in just developing your passion and whatnot for the sport. I just think that's such, such a great thing to see. And, you know, I, I was not aware of that number um, about how many more people have signed up in China for, for, for winter sports. But I just, I think that just, that goes so far in growing a sport and, you know, Obviously, we're not we're not skiers. We're hockey players, but we know kind of that sort of motive to to try and grow grow our sport and expand it. And you know, just seeing that is just really really great to see. Yeah, for sure. And um, something that inter- interested me is that you know, as an Asian American, sometimes uh, Asian Asian countries that we come from they don't fully support us. It's it's sort of like we're not truly Asian. Um, for her to be so well received for her to speak um, Chinese um, fluently with all the tones and for her to get that kind of reception. That's, Mm -hmm. that's also um, revolutionary for our specific um, sub sub genre, as I'll call it um, of Asian Americans, because (laughs) there's more acceptance for us now in our home countries. I I totally agree with that. I think that's one of the, honestly, one of the like very difficult things about being Asian American is like, you kind of don't feel like you fit in like with either side. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I felt like, you know, I don't really fit in completely with my Asian side, but also I feel like I also sort of don't fit in with like my American side, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. And it's like, yeah, it's difficult to sort of find that identity, but seeing, you know, seeing her be able to do that is just, it's, it's a great thing to see that, you know, people, who are Asian American can have that kind of, you know, reception. It's just, it's really great to see. Yeah. Something that I always feel like is like when, whenever I go back to India, it's like, Oh, these are the American cousins. They, uh, yeah. they play hockey. Um, <laughs> he runs, he plays tennis guys. He doesn't play cricket or squash or soccer or something. This guy, yeah. this guy plays hockey. So it's, <laughs> it's, um, it's, there's always that American culture that sort of creates that gap. And, um, we're talking about this for those of you who, who don't know what what that's like um it can be hard sometimes mm-hmm. especially when it results in you being singled out for being different or when you become sort of like a fixture it's like everyone wants to talk to you just because of where you're from or everyone doesn't want to talk to you because of um your culture and what you're brought up in and this country's given me so much but there's so much that india gives me too so it's not like it's not like I'm, I'm perfectly placed in either one and that, that can be, that can be hard. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely a, you know, a thing that I think every Asian American person is going to face. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you that you talking about that brings, brings me back to a lot of memories, you know, as well, where people are just like, Oh, you, you play hockey. Like what's, what's that all about? Like Asian people don't play hockey. That's not a thing. Um, and where so you're from too, and, and even in the U.S., there's there's not a lot of Asians who play hockey there. Yeah, exactly. I think at one time, you, me, and my brother, um, and maybe a few kids here and there, we must have been the only ones who were Asian playing in that area. 
Yeah, I mean, I know for a fact now, uh, like I'm a house player now, and um, at least, yeah, and like there are maybe, there's maybe one other Asian kid there. Mm. And when, you know, when the, the varsity season starts up, I, you know, I, I don't really know that there's necessarily any think there's more people, you know, it's just this region down here in the South is just not, it's not a hockey hotspot really. And it's not an Asian hotspot. So having that like almost niche thing of being an Asian American in the South that plays hockey is just, it's so. It's growing though. Slowly. Yeah. yeah. I've noticed in the mid Atlantic, it's, it's really big. Like um, when you were up here, I think you saw it. There was like a speed skating clinic going on and all the kids were Asians. Yeah. And, and like, like on the hockey team, there's that guy who was going to Cornell. Um, yeah. he was playing club hockey there. He was like had sick hands as a triple A kid. Yeah, I he was, was like when I went up there that summer to, to to play a pickup game with you, like, oh man, that was just it was it was just one of the greatest things that I had like it was just one of the one of those really great feeling moments to to be up there and like be surrounded by other Asian people that play hockey because it's like, you know, as, as an Asian person, you kind of always just, you always kind of have a natural sort of, um, sort of, I don't want to say bond, but you know, you kind of understand other Asian American people pretty well and you get along with them even, you know, even if you haven't met them and it's just, I just felt, you know, I felt just comfortable there. You know, it's just, it was such a great atmosphere and just, it's, it's nothing I'd seen before. You know, I'm, I'm always used to being the only Asian kid on my team, if not in my entire division. And, you know, but it was, yeah, it was a great, great experience yeah. just being up there. And, you know, I'm really, really hoping that that, that continues to spread. Yeah. And I, I've just noticed that hockey's really diverse in the area that I'm, that I live in. Um, I go to a rank called Fort DuPont ice arena for anyone who lives in the DC, Maryland, Virginia region. You know the rink I'm talking about. Probably it's this. Um, I don't want to say rundown rink, but it's not like a great rink by any stretch. Yeah. Um, in a pretty bad part of DC, but you see most of the kids there are African American. They're minorities, and they're they're just out there enjoying it. And and I was part of a program um that um that really caters towards um helping anyone who wants to play hockey play hockey. Um, that's just sort of like how I got involved with hockey in the region. Um, when I first moved here, um, I would go there and I would watch the little kids play and whatnot. Um, and I would just see that there's, there's so much growth here. Um, and obviously there's very few rinks in the DC area, not very few, but there's only three or four. So ice time, ice time's hard to get, but ice time is hard to get. And there we go. So everyone's been to this rink and everyone has practices there and hockey games there. Um, and same thing with the other rinks. And um, you check out MedStar um, Iceplex, which is where the Capitals have their practice facility. And even there, I see so many more minorities there playing hockey. And again, the idea of our podcast is not to say only minorities should play hockey. But the more people who play hockey, the more talent we get in the game, the more talent in the game the more it grows, the more it grows, the more fun we all get to have watching it. And sure, I get jealous of these Olympic athletes who are like 16 years old, 15 years old, and are absolute studs at their sport. But it's more enjoyment for me. And there's just a lot of pride to see to, to see something grow like that. And to know that 
you in some small part are helping push that boundary. You know, it's not to say that you and I have inspired anyone, but to sit there and say that, yeah, you were part of that movement of um, minorities entering a game. It's, it's, it's it's a badge of honor. Yeah, it's definitely tough. And I'm not going to name, I'm not going to name any specifics, um, you know, but the, the rink that I, that I play at, you know, it's just, like diversity and kind of promoting people of color who play hockey is just, it's not an initiative there. It's, it's not. And like I said, I'm not going to name specifically, uh, but you know, if you I know the rank. For, yeah, for, for those of you who know me, yeah, for no, for those of you who know me, you know, you know which rink it is. And it's just, it's almost a little disheartening to see sometimes it's just, it's yeah, it's really, really and, not. And the rink across town. Um, that I played at uh, while I was there, you um, also I'm not going to name specifics. I know I named Fort DuPont, but that's because I only had good things to say about yeah. it. Um, but the rink across town, um, I thought it was, I thought it was a little bit better. I always felt a little bit more welcome. And um, yeah. there was a coach at the rink that you play at. Um, I don't know. Can I name them? Um, just because I might give away the rink. Um, probably you, shouldn't. You can, you can name them. If not, we'll just, we'll, we'll cut this out. <laughs> um, well, actually, I'll, to leave this in, I'll, I'll, um, I won't give their name, but they, they recently passed away. I'm sure you know who I'm talking about. Oh, yes, 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 um, yes, yes. He was an incredible mentor to me, and he mm-hmm. always wanted me to play. He, he would always emphasize that it doesn't matter who you are. You give it your all out there, and good things will happen. Yeah. So I was really happy to see that. And um, I was wondering, do you want to move on to uh, the topic of just hockey at the Olympics? Because there's a lot to talk about there, a little bit yeah. at least. Yeah, let's definitely move um, on. So also off with a more controversial question, women's hockey at the Olympics. People say that it's just <laughs> USA and Canada, which is kind of true to an extent. Um, people often say that maybe it shouldn't be an Olympic sport. I, I disagree. I think it needs to be on the stage. But um, the dominance of those two countries, do you think that that power will spread out or do you think it's going to be a zero-sum game where it's USA and Canada and nobody else? Yeah, well... Before before I dive into this, I I want to say because I don't know if you'd heard about this. Uh, first of all, I want to go ahead and, and say the Toronto. Did you see the article that was out by the Toronto Star? Um, no, I can't say. So that. there was an article by the Toronto Star that said women's hockey should not be at the Olympics. Period. Oh no, yeah, no, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. And, I didn't know it was by the Toronto and Star. And that was I just I don't. I don't even understand what the point of putting that article out was, you know, I, you know, cause again, it all goes back to growing the game and it's, you know, but yeah. anyways, yeah. To, to answer your question, I, I don't, I mean, yeah, I think realistically this year, it's probably going to be the U S and Canada. I mean, if you look at the way the games have gone, it's, it's pretty, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's dominant for those two teams. You know, but and I, I think same with you know the the women's tournament has every right to be played as the men's tournament. You know, I I don't think that there's there's any reason that there shouldn't be a women's tournament, even if it is just two teams. And you know, again, I think you know, like it goes back to what you're saying. You know, it's it's about growing. You know, it's 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 about growing the game. And I think you know, for for one reason or another, I mean. I'm not saying that this is the way it should be. I'm just saying that if you look statistically hockey, you know, is largely played by more guys. And that's not to say that women cannot play hockey, you know, um, we encourage it. Yeah, exactly. Encourage you guys to get out there. For any, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, I think that, 
you know, it's just all about growing the game and just continuing to, to promote that. And, you know, in time, you know, especially having some of the, um, the, the great players playing there. I mean, if you look at like, uh, I, I'm going to mess up this name, Kendall Coyne Schofield for the, the U S you know, it gives, it, it gives sort of the, the young female hockey players, someone to look up to. And I think that, you know, that's a great thing to continue to grow the game and, you know, sure. It might take, it might take a little bit of time, but it's the same thing with like trying to grow the game for Asian people. You know, you just, you just gotta, you know, keep putting it out there and, you know, the the hope is that you know eventually eventually it would you know the women's hockey tournament would be a thing where you know it's several countries competing all very competitively i will say this though usa versus canada in the olympics for the women's tournament is so fun to watch because that's that's a that's that's a rivalry that's boston toronto that's that's your big sports rivalries so i mean i'm all for it if you think about it as well you know the the U.S. versus Canada ter- tournament and the Olympics that is the very that's it doesn't get better than that for women's hockey because the thing is with the men's tournament this year you know since there's no NHL players I'm not trying to you know I, I'm not trying to to hate on any of the guys there obviously everyone playing for the Olympics is an incredibly incredibly talented it's not athlete. the same though yeah but you know it's you're not, not having best on best yeah you're not getting to have mcdavid versus matthews you know you're not getting to have crosby versus ovechkin you know it's just it's it's not the top top tier of men's hockey whereas the women's tournament that is that's the best of the best right that's there. The crop. exactly and, um, um yeah. i think though that women's hockey it it deserves to be better organized mm-hmm. um there's so many competing leagues the revenue split um I feel like if they put all the leagues together, compress it all into one, um, that's going to be more revenue. You put them all on the same viewing sites, and you get the NHL behind it. If the NHL gets behind inline hockey, ball hockey, and women's hockey, it doesn't have to be financial. It it doesn't have to be hugely financial. Their money is involved. But if they can get behind it, endorse it, and start weaving it into its programs, those are going to grow because ball hockey is really popular in Europe. Inline hockey is really popular for the people who don't want to play contact anymore. Yeah. And um, even, and even like inline hockey, like that's how I started because mm-hmm. you know, inline hockey, yeah, it's great for people who don't, who aren't huge on contact. It's also great for people that don't have ice, which oh, is true. a huge, huge part of the U S I mean, you know, it barely ever snows down here in Charlotte and like, but we have an inline rink out here. So it's great. You know, if, if you know the rinks are closed or whatever or if you're trying to play in the off season you just head out to that inline rink and play and yeah so i i I just love inline hockey because it it's really really great out there to grow the game Mm -hmm. and you know people that play inline hockey you know they have the skills to then go play ice hockey you know and it's just it's it's not a huge yeah it's not a crazy jump i mean the skating is will take a little while but if you can learn to um skate pretty well on the inline rink then it's not impossible to go to ice and say six months and be a fairly decent player. Oh yeah, um, for sure. For sure. I'm not sure exactly how long that time takes. I'm going to start getting into inline hockey as my high school hockey career comes to its saddening end. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going pro guys. I'm not going to the NCAA. <laughs> I know the rumors have been out there. I'm not signing. I apologize. I, I just have to, <laughs> I have to do what's best for me. Um, so that's the way that's going to go. 
Um, and then with the men's tournament, I've been watching that. It's really fun to watch, especially mm-hmm. when I get to watch Krejci again and all those guys who are tired. Um, yeah. It's actually very competitive. Those games are fairly exciting. Um, so hockey's been good. Um, the U.S. looks like a wagon. Canada looks like a wagon. <laughs> um, I thought the Czech Republic also looked very, very, very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I- I'm I'm excited to watch that stuff, see how that all plays out. There's not too much further on the Olympics that I think we need to go into depth. Obviously, Sean White is uh, he's retiring, which is sad to see. Um, I've grown up watching him snowboard. So that's a winter Olympic athlete and a winter sports athlete who we are sad to see go, but um, made such an impact on the sport. And he's someone who, you know, would love to have people like that in hockey who just make an impact on the sport. And she's so loved. You see him everywhere on Instagram with a thank you goat posts. Yeah. And um, uh, on the, on the subject of uh, uh, just one Olympic storylines, obviously Nathan Chen, another Asian American with gold. So Big ups yeah, to him. That was, that was good. To um, see. He had the most insane program um, I've ever seen. So go check that stuff out. Yeah. And especially after the, you know, especially after the last, win- like I remember watching him uh, in 2018. Fall. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, I, I really, really wanted to see him succeed this year. And I'm I don't really think the guy's lost in the last four years. I think he lost once in the last four years in international competition. The yeah. absolute unit on the on the ice. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to the quads, he is the king. Um, yeah. So that's been great to watch. Um, and I'm sad to see that Michaela Schifrin's had a hard start to the um, Olympic program for her. Um, obviously, every athlete goes to the ups and downs with the injuries, the, the the mental side of it, the struggles. So I'm hoping she can rebound. If not, it's all right. You know, mm-hmm. um, so much success. We're so proud of her as a nation. Um, um, as a, as a, as someone who likes to watch skiing, um, she's been so big for the sport. Um, she's just as good as so many men on the, um, skiing tour. So, um, we wish her the best of luck and, uh, I don't know if you have any other things to talk about. Yeah, that's pretty much it for me. I think we, I think we covered everything pretty well. Yeah. So with that, thank you everyone for listening to Asians talking puck and we will see you guys next week. 